is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. During Emmanuel Macron's state visit to America, Joe Biden said he was, quote, prepared to speak with Vladimir Putin, as Mr. Macron has, if the Russian president signalled an interest in ending the war in Ukraine. Mr. Biden also said he would address, quote, glitches in the Inflation Reduction Act, a packet of subsidies for clean energy that the French president fears will disadvantage European manufacturers. Inflation in America rose less than expected in October, according to the metric favoured by the Federal Reserve, the Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, which excludes food and energy, increased by 0.2% from the previous month, after having risen by 0.5% in September. Personal spending jumped by 0.8% in October, a sign that consumers appear undaunted by rising interest rates. The EU Council's president, Charles Michel, raised, quote, the response of societies to COVID-19 measures during a meeting with the Chinese president, Xi Jinping, in Beijing, an apparent reference to the widespread protests in China. Mr. Michel also brought up Ukraine and Taiwan, according to his spokesperson. On Wednesday, Chongqing and Guangzhou, two of China's biggest cities, said that they would ease some COVID restrictions. Russia continued its attack on the eastern Donbass region, the area of most intense fighting, while also bombing Kherson in the south, the Ukrainian army said. Meanwhile, NATO foreign ministers agreed to bolster support for Bosnia, Georgia and Moldova. And America signed a $1.2 billion contract to purchase six NASAMS air defence systems for Ukraine. It will send eight in total. A federal appeals court panel ruled that documents seized from Donald Trump's Florida estate need not be reviewed by an independent arbiter. The decision removes an obstacle in the Justice Department's investigation into whether America's former president mishandled state secrets. The arbiter, known as a special master, had been empowered by a district court judge to keep from investigators any material covered by executive privilege or attorney-client privilege. Spain said that six letter bombs were sent to addresses across the country in recent days. Pedro Sánchez, the Prime Minister, and Margarita Robles, the Defence Minister, were among the intended targets. One device sent to the Ukrainian embassy in Madrid injured a security officer on Wednesday. Spanish officials said the bombs were homemade and had been sent from inside the country. Football World Cup. Japan stunned Spain with a 2-1 win. Both countries advanced to the knockout stage. The surprise outcome means that Germany, though it triumphed over Costa Rica 4-2, failed to make the requisite number of goals to advance. Earlier, Australia shocked Denmark to secure a place in the knockout round for only the second time in the team's history. And fact of the day, 5% the proportion of Britons that now regularly go to church. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. 
The Trump Organization on Trial On Friday, the closing arguments in a criminal trial of two units of the Trump Organization are expected to conclude. The real estate company owned by Donald Trump, a former president, is charged with crimes including conspiracy, tax fraud, and falsifying business records. Jurors heard Alan Weisselberg, the company's chief financial officer, admit to concealing $1.76 million of bonus income, including payment of rent for an apartment and private school tuition. Donald Bender, who managed the organization's taxes for 35 years, said that he probably would have had a heart attack had he known about the payments. Prosecutors allege that the company engaged in a long-running tax avoidance scheme. The defense maintains that neither Mr. Trump, who is not charged with wrongdoing, or his family knew, and that the company did not benefit from it. But if convicted on all counts, the Trump organization could face $1.6 million in fines. Separately, New York State's Attorney General has filed a lawsuit against Mr. Trump and his family, which accuses them of staggering fraud and seeks damages of at least $250 million. They deny the charges. That case is expected to go to trial next year as Mr. Trump's presidential campaign gets going. British Politicians Visit Taiwan On Friday, a group of British lawmakers will conclude a visit to Taiwan designed in part to assess the effectiveness, or not, of Britain's foreign policy in the region. They met Tsai Ing-wen, the president, to affirm Britain's strong cultural and trading ties with the self-governing island that China regards as part of its territory. The British delegation is the latest in a string of international guests that Mr. Tsai has welcomed since a visit by Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of America's House of Representatives, enraged China in August. Miss Tsai has been keen to demonstrate her strength as a leader, who can garner the global support necessary to fend off an increasingly bellicose China. But after her party's drubbing in local elections last week, she resigned as party leader and will cede some of her platform to her successor. British politicians are increasingly hawkish on China, but they may find a Taiwanese leader who is, at least for now, deflated rather than defiant. Pakistan's $1 billion repayment deadline Jamil Ahmad, the governor of Pakistan's central bank, sounded confident last week when he promised that Pakistan would repay a $1 billion international bond by Friday, three days before it matures on December 5th. If that deadline is met, it will send a signal to international lenders that the country retains some degree of fiscal stability. It needs to. Pakistan's economy is in tatters. The lingering effects of the COVID pandemic, rocketing energy prices, and the previous government's economic mismanagement were compounded over the summer when an unusually strong monsoon deluged the country, causing more than $30 billion of damage and financial losses. Annual inflation was at 23.8% in November. 
the government is trying to persuade the IMF to release more bailout funds. But the IMF wants proof that officials are making progress on a plan to rebuild after the floods. Pakistan will need an awful lot more than confidence to get out of its current predicament. A famous Christmas painting returns in London. This week, The Nativity, by Piero della Francesca, one of the most popular paintings in London's National Gallery, returns to public view after three years' absence. Painted around 1480, this Christmas card favorite shows an angelic boy band serenading the infant Jesus and his blue-robed mother against a luminous Tuscan landscape. Rugged shepherds and farmyard beasts complete the familiar, charming scene. Yet scholars have long lamented the sorry state of the oil-painted panel, which was purchased by the gallery in 1874. Much of the paint had faded and the figures lacked shadows, plus the bald, sandy foreground led some experts to declare the painting unfinished. The three-year restoration project, led by Jill Dunkerton, the gallery's senior restorer, has healed the wounds inflicted by clumsy 19th-century cleaners. It has also confirmed that the painting is complete. Piero envisaged that earthy Tuscan hilltop as bare and shadowless, an uncluttered stage to better show the brilliant mystic light of Jesus' birth. Art lovers can now get even more enjoyment from Piero's blend of the miraculous and the mundane. The Rubbish Problem of Plastic Pollution The first round of negotiations over a global plastic pollution treaty will conclude in Uruguay on Friday. In March, 175 countries endorsed the idea of a UN accord governing plastic waste, which has been found everywhere from the deepest part of the ocean to the tip of Mount Everest. Delegates gathered this week in Punta del Este, a beach town, to decide what the accord should say. Some parties, including Britain, Canada, the EU, and Switzerland, want the treaty to be binding and to set a goal of stopping plastic pollution by 2040. America agrees with the aim but favors voluntary action and doesn't want new curbs on production. Some 19% of the world's plastic is made in North America, 31% in China. Plastic pollution causes about $100 billion worth of damages and cleanup costs each year, according to one estimate. Just 9% of the stuff is recycled. But countries have until the end of 2024 to finalize the accord. An effective one is far from being in the bag. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home, city, and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday Which Nathaniel Hawthorne novel tells the story 
of Hester Prynne. Thursday, which San Francisco Park hosted a Beatles concert in 1966, as well as a Paul McCartney gig, the last event at the site, in 2014. The winners of last week's crossword. Thank you to everyone who took part in our weekly crossword, published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The three winners, chosen at random, were Rav Kiran Kota, Houston, United States, Alessandro Coloni, Bergamo, Italy, Nicarica Mitra, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. They all gave the correct answers of Anwar Ibrahim, Arabic, Intel, and Madrid. Check back tomorrow for this week's crossword. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Philip Larkin, who died on this day in 1985. Life has a practice of living you if you don't live it. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.